Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your host. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week, we are bringing you a very special episode where I, Courtney, will be recapping Hamilton the Musical to Rose because she refuses to listen to it and or watch it. And I need her to know about it. Okay. Um, I know this is an audio medium and you guys can't see me, but I am currently being held hostage in my basement. So send help. Y- you know what? It'll shh. It'll be okay. <laughs> shh. <laughs> Do you want to know about the cast? Can I kind of ask questions? Absolutely. Okay. Cause I'm so confused about everything. So Hamilton, number one, it's a play, right? It, it's a musical play. Yes. On Broadway. Okay, so my question is, is this historical fiction or is it pretty accurate? Well, you know what? Thomas Jefferson is black. (laughs) Um, So you know what? Like maybe a little bit more historically accurate than the presidents would have liked. So let me let me set it up for you. Okay, I'm not going to go song by song. I'm going to tell you the story that is told from the musical with intermittent periods of some important lyrics that I think you should know. Okay. Um, Oh, God. (laughs) So we have Alexander Hamilton, who was a bastard orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman. Wait, who was the whore? The Scotsman was the whore or his mom? No, Scotsman was his dad. Whore was his mom. I would rather the Scotsman be the whore, but okay. Right. Well, you know what? This was history written by men a long time ago. So his mom may not have been a whore. Okay. Anyways, from what we can tell, Alexander Hamilton was an only child. Um, His dad Splitsville when he was like younger. Classic. Right. Well, you know what? He was also from an island in the Caribbean. So being dadless from an island in the Caribbean is something you guys have in common. So- you, just, you just keep these dadless jokes in your back pocket, don't you? You just... You know what? They just come about so organically at the right time that I can't help myself. <laughs> they do. I'm not even mad at it. <laughs> Anyways, so Alexander Hamilton wanted a better life for himself. So wait, he grew up in the Caribbean? Until he was about 18, 19. So was this the British colony in the Caribbean? Mm-hmm. Okay. It was one of the Virgin Islands. Okay, so he wasn't like this little Jamaican boy. He's like... He was white, white. <laughs> this was a British guy. This was a colonizer. <laughs> okay. All right. No, make no mistake. He was still a colonizer. Right, right. But he also hated the British. Okay. So, but then Alexander and his mother got really sick. She died, but Alex got better. Mm-hmm. And then he started working for his mom's landlord. The musical says running sugar, cane, and all the things I can't afford. So probably also Coke. He became a drug dealer. Okay. All right. Hey, our country has some interesting roots. Right? The musical says people in the Caribbean were like, hey, we got to send this dude to the mainland Mm -hmm. because he's so smart. He's going to go do better things. But they were probably like, get this insufferable white boy the fuck (laughs) off our island. So he goes to the mainland, okay? He is bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. He is ready to go. And he's like, I want to fight in this war. What's the war? The American Revolution. Okay. This is at the cusp of the beginning of the American Revolution. Gotcha. So he goes in search for this guy named Aaron Burr. Mm -hmm. Aaron Burr is a scholar who is, you know, well-known. And so Alexander goes in search of him. Mm -hmm. He finds him and he's like, I got your name from a friend of yours. Mm -hmm. I punched him in the face. Okay. So, so right off the bat, we're establishing some toxic masculinity going on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it continues. Okay, cool. Yeah. um, Just kind of prepare thyself. (laughs) 
Alexander is like, Aaron, I wanted to go to this college. I wanted to graduate in two years, just like you. Mm-hmm. Alexander is like, Aaron, how did you do it? And Aaron says, it was my parents' dying wish before they passed. Alexander is really excited because he's like, oh my God, you're an orphan. I'm an orphan. I love when you find someone that you have twin traumas. Yeah. I feel like you and I have twin traumas and it's so fun. Yes. You know? Right? Twinning. <laughs> Twinning. And so... Aaron takes Alexander and tucks him gently under his tailcoat and carries him over to meet some of his friends. Is Alexander a little boy at this point? No, he's a, he's a man. He is like late teens, early 20s. Okay, because the vision of him being tucked under a tailcoat makes me think of a little boy. And so if it's a grown man, kind of different connotations there. <laughs> Different vibes, but the same thing. (laughs) And so Aaron takes Alexander to meet his friends. They're also revolutionists. You know, they're anarchists. They're ready for the revolution. Mm -hmm. And they're talking to Aaron Burr about things. And Alexander is just in the background. And Mm -hmm. then he pops up. Alexander just starts running his mouth. And that's another theme is that Alexander consistently runs his mouth. He doesn't know when to shut his mouth. Mm -hmm. Gets him in a lot of trouble. Alexander's just like, no, listen, we're, we're going to kill us some redcoats. We're going to kill us. We're going to kill the Brits. All right. Mm-hmm. Because this is America. Eagle screeching in the background. <laughs> How did they come up with the name America? I'm curious. I don't know. Okay. That, that's not important. Oh, you think there was like some cute girl named America and he was like, baby, I'm going to name the country after you. It is not explained, nor does it come up in the musical. Yeah. So, you know, we have the revolutionist. And Alexander just pops up from the background, Mm -hmm. starts running his mouth about all these ideas he has for the war and how he wants to fight. They're like, hey, we got to get this guy in front of a crowd. Oh, because he's passionate. He's passionate. You know what? He's going to bring in so many bodies to our cause. It's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. And so Alexander goes into not going to throw away my shot. Um, One of the main lines from the play is, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry. I love it. Alexander just kind of fits right in with his friends. But Alexander is way different than Aaron. Aaron Burr, um, he says, you spit, I'll sit, and we'll see where we land. Hmm. So Aaron Burr is very meticulous. Aaron Burr is going to plan his moves. Mm -hmm. And he's going to know how the outcome is going to be before he enacts it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alexander Hamilton's totally different. He's like, hell no. Plans are for pussies. Yeah. Legit. (laughs) Legit. And then they get this really sappy thing where they talk about the story of tonight. They're like, today there's four of us. Tomorrow there'll be more of us talking about people ready to join the revolution and how one of these days people are going to be talking about the story of tonight where these people sat down and decided that we need to fight against the British for our independence. Do you know what's interesting to me about history is that because Mm. it's written by men and it's told from the perspective of men, women are just completely not mentioned. And how many of these men do you think had really smart women that they would go home to at night and the woman's like, listen, watch out for this Hamilton guy. He seems a little erratic. Like the woman Mm -hmm. was probably counting counseling them and you know how many how many crazy events were sidestepped because there was a rational woman that was like baby you you're just hungry here i made you some foxtail soup <laughs> oh probably a lot and actually there are some pretty prominent women that play parts in alexander hamilton's story okay awesome so we get introduced to some of the women mm-hmm. that are going to be playing roles and it's the schuyler sisters Peggy, Angelica, Eliza, 
The Skyler sisters. Okay. What are the vibes? The vibes are Angelica's the oldest, Eliza is the middle, Mm -hmm. and Peggy is the youngest. Mm -hmm. And Peggy's like, Daddy said to be home by midnight. And Angelica's like, Daddy doesn't need to know. Okay. And yeah, so Angelica's like, Peggy, shut up. Mm -hmm. History is happening right before our eyes. They're in New York City, by the way. And Peggy's like, "Mm, Daddy said we shouldn't. Mm. The other girls are like, is their dad someone important? His name is Philip Schuyler. Okay. And he's a prominent politician and businessman. Also, like, the Schuyler sisters were kind of known to be, like, some fine-ass pussy, you know? (laughs) And so they had a lot of men kind of sniffing around. Like, listen, if we can score a Schuyler sister, we are set because daddy's got money. Okay, quick question. Was the WAP song part of the set list? (laughs) The Skylar sisters are like, macaroni in a pot. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. You know what? It should have been. I think it would have been fantastic. But also Angelica Skylar, the oldest, she was also, um, she was a feminist. And she's like, and when I meet Thomas Jefferson, I'm going to compel him to include women in the sequel, talking about um, equal equality between black men mm. and white men. Okay. So yeah, she's like, mm, I love it. You're doing great. But also what about women? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in this universe, because who's a, who's a black guy again? Thomas Jefferson? I mean, Thomas Jefferson is not actually black. So almost all the actors and actresses in the musical are black. Oh, okay. Or Hispanic. Oh, wow. Okay. So are we like in a universe where like we're just pretending they're white or are we... Um, in a universe where these characters are the race of the actors. We're in a universe where we're still pretending they're white. Okay. But also, they're really talking about equality and freeing men of color and ending slavery. But a thousand percent that didn't happen during the Revolutionary War. Like, no. I call Cap. I call Cap. Well, here's the thing. Some of these, like Alexander Hamilton and some of these other prominent founding fathers, they were like, hey, we've started thinking and maybe slavery is like wrong. Mm. And so it was a conversation that was being had, but not a lot of action was being taken. Right. And especially Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was like, shh. 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 So... Angelica Schuyler was, you know, a feminist. Mm -hmm. So we have Aaron Burr who comes up and Aaron Burr is just like, I know it's not funny, but your perfume smells like your daddy's got money. Oh, okay. And Angelica Schuyler goes, Burr, you disgust me. And Burr goes, oh, so you've disgust me. I'm a trust fund, baby. You can trust me. Okay. Aaron Burr spit in some game and Angelica Schuyler is like, I wish you would fall off a cliff. <laughs> um, giving major fuckboy energy. He definitely gives major fuckboy energy. At one point after the Revolutionary War, Aaron Burr tried to conquer Mexico and proclaim himself emperor. Nice. Okay. Um, His daughter also faked her own death to hide from him. So <laughs> yeah, those, those are the vibes. Okay. Just more than one red flag there with this Burr guy. Aaron Burr is nothing but red flags. What's his role again in the revolution? So um, his goal in the revolution was he was in the army. Okay. We'll get to his role later. Okay, gotcha. he was a soldier in the army and he was also kind of behind the scenes helping plan stuff. Okay. And he was later vice president. Mm, Okay. So then we have this guy, okay? And this guy's name is Samuel Seabree. 
Samuel Seabury was like, hey, guys, war is wrong. We shouldn't be doing this. The British are our masters Mm. and we should love and respect them. Okay. And Alexander Hamilton is like, shut the fuck up before I put my foot in your face. Sam, you're dumb. You look like a mangy dog, Sam. He's like, I'm from the Caribbean. I don't play this. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, listen, I haven't fought in a while, but I'll fight. Listen, (laughs) my hands might be rusty, but it's like riding a bike. So there's a rivalry between Burr and Hamilton? There is the budding of a rivalry right now that becomes a full rivalry later. Because at this point... Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton are really kind of striving for the same positions in society. Okay. Alexander's constantly getting them and Aaron Burr's not. Okay. So it's definitely a problem because Aaron is constantly being left in Alexander's shadows Mm -hmm. when Aaron Burr was the one that sort of mentored Alexander Mm -hmm. in order to get these positions. So yeah, there is a rivalry. um, And right now they're still trying to be friends about it, but that changes later. At this point, we get an interlude from the King of England with a rendition of You'll Be Back. Oh my God, I love that song. I've actually seen clips of that. You'll remember you belong to me. Yeah, and so... It's really neat because I I love the King songs. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, he's just like, I will send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. (laughs) Uh, Side note, in the year of our Lord 2023, do we want to go back to England? Because I think we kind of (laughs) do. Yeah, like we already told grandma that we made a mistake and we'd like to come home. Yes. Um, and then she died. <laughs> she died. <laughs> yes. Grandma was like, I'm I'm good. Yeah, Nana peaced out of the group chat. But yeah, so essentially we have you'll be back. And the king of England is basically stating that, you know, I will kill your friends and family to remind you of my love. Mm. I will send a fully armed battalion because you're mine and I love you. Toxic. Toxic. Now the war is really starting up at this point, okay? Yeah. The fighting's picking up, and George Washington, he's the general. Do you want to know why he's the general? Because no one else wanted the position. And he'd do it for free. Oh, is that really why? <laughs> yeah, he did it for free. And so we have George Washington, who is leading the colony's army. Okay. You know, he's leading the American Revolution for the Americans. He's like, I need help. He's just like, our... People are dying everywhere, all right? You know, we're having to concede. We're having to push back. I need somebody to help me. This was back when wars were fought in an open field, right? Uh, That's how war is supposed to be fought. The Americans were savages and they started jumping from trees. Okay. (laughs) The British once described the Americans fighting style as barbarians. Because the Americans were like, hey, we're losing. Fuck this lighting up in a nice line to shoot at each other. Let's hide. Right. When you don't have the numbers, you have to do guerrilla warfare because otherwise we would die you know george washington is like he's like yo i think we might lose i need i need help yeah and aaron burr is like excuse me sir aaron burr at your service sir and he was like you know i fought for general montgomery before he caught a bullet in the neck in quebec Mm. he's like i think i could be of some assistance Mm -hmm. i admire how you're firing at the british from a distance Mm. I have a couple of questions, maybe some suggestions. George Washington's like, this is what I needed. And then Alexander pops up and was like, hey, George Washington, you wanted to see me, sir? And then George Washington is like, hey, Aaron, don't let the door, shut the door on your way out. (gasps) You can leave. Oh, no. 
Alexander is talking to George Washington and he's like, I really want to fight, not write. So why was he writing before? Well, the thing is, is that that's how he got his notoriety. He was such a charming, charismatic public speaker Mm. that people flocked to what he had to say. Gotcha. And so he was really good for the war and for kind of boosting morale. Yeah. Because he was so good at convincing people things. Um, But Alexander didn't want to do that. He wanted to be on the front lines. He wanted to be commanding troops. Yeah. George Washington's like, listen, we have a lot of cannon fodder out there already. I need your brain, bruh. George Washington says, you remind me of a lot like me when I was younger. You got a hunger. Wow. But dying is easy, young man. Living is harder. Damn. Spitting facts. Spitting facts. And so we go into a rendition of Alexander Hamilton's thinking. And he's like, I'm not going to throw away my shot. So what does that mean? He's just like his country. He's young, scrappy and hungry. So he takes the job. Does he take a job to be George Washington's assistant? Yeah. Okay. He takes a job to be George Washington's assistant because it's a stepping stone for him. He's now the assistant. He is the right hand man of the most powerful man in the country. The general, right? Yeah. And so, you know, at this point, they're still fighting. The war is still ongoing. But what is a war without a winner's ball? (laughs) Shut up. They stop to have a ball? Yeah. Well, so they have a ball. The ball is essentially a mingling of high society people and the troops. Okay. So just for for morale? Yeah, essentially for morale. But also you have a whole lot of single women that need husbands. We can't have all these single bitches out here. Mm, Okay. And also like we have to repopulate. So these soldiers need to get married and have babies before they die. Okay. Or else we're not going to have an America. Right. That checks out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The math is mathing now. (laughs) Now Alexander Hamilton, he meets Angelica Schuyler for the first time. Okay. And their sparks are flying. They are meshing. They are clicking. But Angelica Schuyler is the oldest daughter of a powerful man. Mm. And Alexander is a broke bitch. So you know what she does? She introduces him to Eliza, the middle sister. And Eliza is instantly smitten with Alexander. She's like, oh my God, this boy got me helpless. Does she say, I don't care if he gets his pants from Ross Dress for Less? <laughs> she essentially said that. But I love this song. It's one of my favorite songs from a whole musical mm-hmm. where she's just talking about, you know, meeting Alexander. She's like, one week later, he's writing a letter nightly. Between them meeting and them getting engaged, engaged and married it's literally like two months yeah i mean the thing too is that back then the days were so fucking long because you had nothing to do that knowing from someone for two months was like knowing them for 15 years yeah well see here's the thing even though he's been like courting eliza angelica's like if you really loved me you would share him oh my god Like, she wants some of that dick, but also she can't marry him because he's poor. Do you think she just wants him because her sister has him now? Or do you think she did like him and just couldn't? Oh, no. I think she did like him, but she felt family pressure to marry a wealthier man. Did she marry a wealthier man? She did. Okay. Anyone important? No. (laughs) Um, His last name was Church. I forgot his first name. Yeah. Eliza and Alex, they get married, but then... We have the maid of honor, who's Angelica, the older sister who introduced them. Mm -hmm. And she sings a song called Satisfied, 
where she talks about how when she saw Alexander, she was smitten because she was an educated woman. And it was really hard to find a man that could kind of match her level of wit. Mm. And her and Alexander had great banter. They had great chemistry, but she couldn't marry a broke bitch. Girl, you made your choice. Move on. She did. But she also says how, you know, she's going to keep her feelings to herself because her sister is totally in love with Alexander and her sister is so kind and selfless that she could never imagine hurting her sister like that and how she hopes that they're happy together. Sure, 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 sure. She just, I don't know, am I supposed to like Angelica? Because I'm not liking her right now. Oh, no, we like Angelica a lot. Angelica does not put any moves on Alexander ever. Okay, good. So it's just an unrequited love thing, which is fine. Like, die with that unrequited love. Don't make moves on your sister's husband. Okay, no, here's the thing. It's requited, all right? Alexandra loves Angelica, but it never goes beyond, like, brotherly love. Alexander, you know, sort of confided in Angelica at points as, like, a confidant. But I don't believe there was ever any affair that happened. And I believe Angelica was very clear to be like, you are married to my sister, you are persona non dicno. You are a eunuch to me. Okay. Um, I like it. Yeah. I have no choice but to believe everything you're telling me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never watched this. But then we get a song. It is my favorite song of the entire musical. It's called Wait For It. Okay. And it's where Aaron Burr comes to the wedding reception. And all of Aaron Burr's friends are like, Burr, we hate you. You're the worst. (laughs) Why did you come? Because they're Alexander's friends now. Okay. This is Burr's villain origin story. Okay. so mean. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, Burr, you're the worst. You should leave. And Alexander's like, oh, my God, dude, thanks for coming. I appreciate it. I heard you had a girlfriend. You should have brought her. He's like, yeah, she's married. And they're like, ooh. They're like, to a British officer? (gasps) And they're like, no. He's colluding with the enemy. Well, her husband's away fighting, and he's sneaking into her bed. So the song is called Wait For It, and it's sung by Aaron Burr. Mm -hmm. And he says he writes Theodosia a letter every day because he's warming her bed while her husband's away. And then he starts talking about how he feels so behind Alexander because Alexander came into the story late. He's younger. Mm -hmm. And he's just one-upping Aaron at every single opportunity. And Aaron feels like slighted, and he feels like he's not doing enough and how he's a failure, you know? Right. You know, he says how... Alexander Hamilton, he is going to conquer the world one day. Yeah. Aaron Burr does not understand the type of white man audacity that Alexander has in his body mm-hmm. to exude such confidence. Right. But one of my favorite lines from this song is, I'm not falling behind, I'm lying in wait. Ooh. I, I just love it. Yeah. To where that's, a, that's a really good metaphor. I'm not behind. I am lying in wait. I am preparing. Yeah. Bidding my time. Yeah. I'm bidding my time. And, you know, it's just a really great thing about how death doesn't discriminate. Mm. And I love it. I, if you don't listen to any other songs, listen to this one because it's a really moving song. Is he is Burr hoping that Alexander Hamilton dies in the war and then he could slip in and, and take his role? Yes. Okay. And then it says, I'm not falling behind or running late. I am not standing still. I am lying in wait. Hamilton faces an endless uphill climb. He has something to prove. He has nothing to lose. Hamilton's pace is relentless. He wastes no time. What is it like in his shoes? Mm. And so I feel like 
this is Aaron Burr's villain origin story mm-hmm. to where Alexander has no couth. Mm-hmm. He's a sloppy bitch. Mm-hmm. Aaron Burr is like, I'm willing to wait to essentially be recognized for mm-hmm. my good deeds. Alexander's not. He's mm-hmm. going to get in your face and demand stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyways, it's a beautiful song. After the wedding, we go back to war, okay? Because this is war, all right? We don't have time to sit here (laughs) and have weddings and parties, all right? Right. Whose wedding? It was Alexander and Eliza's wedding. Okay. We go back to war, but we're we're losing, okay? Like, we are losing. I like how you're talking about them like they're a sports team. Like, we're losing. My team is losing. General George Washington is like, oh, fuck, we're losing. Mm -hmm. And Congress is like, hey, attack the British forces. And Alexander's like, "Um, we've resorted to eating our horses. Also, nobody is taking their money. Nobody's taking American money at this time. They're only taking sixpence. Like, they're only taking British money. The American troops don't have British money right now. Oh. So they can't even buy supplies. At this point, um, George Washington and Alexander Hamilton, they devise a plan and they're like don't engage strike by night remain relentless until their troop takes flight so essentially now they're like we're gonna make it impossible for the british to justify the cost of the war that's a good strategy though yeah because war is very expensive and every day the british are at war because they're coming from the other side of the ocean so this war is much more expensive for the british than it is for the americans also a majority of the troops that the british are sending to fight are unfamiliar with the terrain and the landscape Mm -hmm. these americans have you know the american troops have lived here for so long yeah that they know it. They they were born and raised here. And so at this point, you know, the Americans are cutting supply lines. They're stealing contraband. And every day, Alexander's like, hey, George, let me fight. And George is like, mm, absolutely not. And instead of promoting Alexander Hamilton, General George Washington promotes Charles Lee. Okay. General Lee? Yeah. He promotes General Lee. Here's this is a really funny part where it says, instead of me, he promotes Charles Lee, makes him second in command. I'm a general. We. <laughs> yeah, not the choice I would have gone with. He shits the bed at the Battle of Monmouth. Alexander's like, attack, attack, attack. Mm-hmm. And Lee's like, everyone retreat, retreat, retreat. Okay, well, General Lee has a statue, uh, has like statues in his memory and like several Mm -hmm. highways, I think. So, you know, I mean, I would imagine he did pretty well for himself. (laughs) Yeah, well, um, George Washington is like Charles Lee attack. General Lee is like, but there's so many of them. There's a lot of British soldiers. I don't think he can do it. (laughs) Uh, I mean, listen, I just looked at my calendar and I am busy this weekend. I've got like this barbecue I got to go to. Can we like reschedule this war? Absolutely. George Washington's like, you know what? Screw you, General Lee. And he's like, Hamilton. And Hamilton's so excited. He's like, yes, it's me. (laughs) And then he goes, have Lafayette take the lead. Mm. Who's Lafayette? Marquis de Lafayette. He was a French soldier. Okay. And what, what the hell was a French soldier doing? Helping. You can't get the French to do anything these days. And it's because they hate Americans because we said that we would help them. And then we're like, actually, we're not in a position to help anybody right now. Uh, um, and so they're like, fuck you. Yeah, but like in a French accent. Fuck yeah. you. Uh, f- no, that's Italian. Fuck. Well, how do you say? Fuck you. Oh, fuck are you. <laughs> yes. So anyways, Lafayette takes the lead. All right. And a whole bunch of people die. This is a shit show of a battle. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
a whole bunch of people die. But the whole time, Charles Lee's talking shit, saying how George Washington's incompetent, <gasps> how this is all his fault. Damn. Um, John Lawrence challenged Charles Lee to a duel. Alexander wanted to, but he's like, hey, George specifically said, don't be causing problems. Okay. So I can't. But Lawrence, you should. Okay, but who's Lawrence? John Lawrence was another soldier. Okay. So essentially, Alexander Hamilton used John Lawrence to do his dirty work. Yes, absolutely. Okay. There was also some rumors that John Lawrence and Alexander Hamilton's were close. That they, yeah. Friends. Okay. Uh, You're doing finger finger, uh, gestures. Okay. Yeah. Close. Okay. Wink, wink, friends. Gotcha. We don't have we don't have any proof, but there was there were, there were rumors. Okay. Okay. Anyways, so John Lawrence is like, "Hey, Charles Lee, I challenge you to a duel." Mm-hmm. And the rules of dueling are: you get a physician on site, you have him turn around so he can have deniability. He didn't see anything happen. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, I'm, I'm dead serious. <laughs> Um, you take 10 steps, uh-huh. you look your opponent in the eye. Okay. And this is a whole song called the ten, den, the 10 Dual Commandments. They're like, step number nine is you're supposed to have your seconds try to reach a compromise. Okay. So you and your opponent are done talking. You are irrational. Uh-huh. So you have a friend, go talk to your opponent's friend. Right. To try to reach a compromise. I love how they built in toxic masculinity into the system of a duel. You know, they were like, we need room for irrational male anger. Exactly. Uh, the whole point of a duel is to shoot somebody. So it's already <laughs> all about irrational male anger. Okay. Charles Lee's second was Aaron Burr. Mm-hmm. John Lawrence's second was Alexander Hamilton. Okay. And so the seconds come together to try to reach a compromise. Mm-hmm. Alexander's like, hey, Aaron, your boy's got to pay for his words. Mm-hmm. Aaron Burr is like, with his life? I don't think so. Alexander's like, a thousand soldiers died because he was incompetent. Mm. And Aaron Burr is like, oh, so we're doing this, okay. <laughs> like, Aaron Burr had nothing. He was just like, yeah, you right, you right. <laughs> um, and so John Lawrence actually ends up shooting Charles Lee in the leg. In the musical... It says Charles Lee concedes because that's the whole thing. You just need one party to concede. Okay. In the musical, it says Charles Lee concedes. In real life, he tried to get up and duel again and shoot John Lawrence. Oh, my God. I like how you're giving us a little bit of like real history here. Yeah. Well, at this point, George Washington has been notified that a duel is going down. Mm -hmm. Does he flip his wig? He flips his wig, but he also (laughs) knows... This is some Alexander Hamilton shit. I know he was behind it. Right. And so he's like, Alexander, meet me in my office now. Mm -hmm. And so they have a fight. All right. Alexander and George have a fight. Alexander is like, I can't let Charles Lee talk shit about you. Mm -hmm. And George Washington's like, we don't have that many soldiers as it is. Right. We can't afford to make enemies out of the ones we have. So shut your fucking mouth. Yeah. And do what I say. Are you the general? No, you're just a little poor orphan whore baby from the Caribbean. With Ross just for less pants. Yes. And so George is like, if you can't follow directions, then you can leave. He kicks him out of the army and sends him home. Oh, wow. Home to the Caribbean or home to? Home to his wife. 
Okay. He's pregnant and he didn't know. Pregnant with his baby or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, his wife had actually written to George Washington saying that she was pregnant. Okay. George is like, I probably shouldn't tell Alexander because then he's going to be distracted. So yeah, George knew. Alexander finds out that his wife is pregnant and then the war just kind of goes on without him. Alexander pouts at home for a little while, but then George and Lafayette... They're getting some progress, but they know they're going to have to do some real crazy stuff in order to win the war. And Lafayette's like, you know who's crazy enough to do this? Alexander. And so Lafayette convinces George Washington to bring Alexander back to do this crazy, reckless shit. So the reckless stuff is essentially strike by night attack that Alexander has to where you take the bullets out your gun. And you have to get really quick at loading your guns and shooting because the guns that they have at the time had a, if they were loaded when you were running, they had a habit of going off, giving away your position. So you take the bullets out your gun and then you basically just sneak in, surprise sneak attack while they're sleeping and kill them all. Damn, girl. It's rough. But at this point... George Washington has a heart to heart with Alexander Hamilton and is like, hey, listen, history has its eyes on you. You are a very influential person in this war. I need you to maybe act right sometimes. Can you act like you're not a little hood rat and maybe follow directions once in a while and quit running your mouth so damn much? And Alexander's like, "Uh, I'll try, but like no promises. And George is like, you know, screw it, I'll take it. Alexander finally gets control of troops and gets to lead his own troops, which is all he's wanted the whole time. The British surrender at this point. So the main fighting of the war is over. There's still battles happening for smaller territories, but the British at this point have conceded to the Americans. Eliza has the baby. His name is Philip after Eliza's dad. And also at the same time, Aaron Burr's um, baby mama, she has a baby girl. And so Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton are becoming fathers at the same time. And they're basically, they're both singing to their children, saying about how they are trying to make this world right for them. That's so sweet. I love that. I love seeing men singing to their babies. It is adorable. And so it's a compilation of Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr talking about, you know, making the world right for their kids. But now the real work is starting now because now they have to institute a government, a Mm. system of government, appoint leaders, get a Congress. And Alexander's a lawyer and Aaron Burr is also a lawyer. Okay, Burr just can't catch a break. Like he's always in Alexander Hamilton's shadow. Well, Alexander Hamilton was a big proponent in writing the Constitution. Right. They also had these things called the Federalist Papers because that was the political party that Alexander was a part of, was a Federalist. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be like 26, you know, of them. Um, It ended up being over 100 of them, Mm. which were like articles written about government and, you know, a great system of government. Alexander Hamilton ended up writing 152 of them. John Jay, who was also a contributor. Yeah. He ended up writing like 13 and then he got really sick. Do you know what always gets me is the fact that the founding fathers of our country, they were essentially the Gen Z of their generation. They were. They were young. They were in their 20s Mm -hmm. when they like essentially brainstormed what this country was going to be. Yeah. Alexander goes to Aaron Burr one night and he's like, I need your help as an attorney. Aaron's really taken aback because he's like, you need need Mm -hmm. my help. Mm -hmm. And he's like, who's your client? 
Alexander tells Aaron that it's the U.S. Constitution. And Aaron flat out is like, absolutely not. That document is a disaster. It is at the hot mess express. I cannot help that. And he's like, it has good bones. I just need you to help me defend it. So hold on. What is he asking him to do? He's asking him to back him up and help him defend the U.S. Constitution because right now they're wanting to toss it out and start from scratch. Damn, girl. We would have been in hella trouble. Not that the Constitution took me into consideration at all. It did not, no. Burr is trying to explain to Hamilton why this is a bad idea. And Hamilton is not having it. He just keeps interrupting him. Mm -hmm. We're at the first act conclusion right now. Mm. And so this song is called Nonstop. And Burr says, why do you assume you're the smartest in the room? Because mm. Alexander assumes he is the smartest person in every single room he walks into. Yeah. And you know what? The people that assume that are usually not. Yeah. And so the song is like, why do you assume you're the smartest in the room? Why do you assume you're the smartest in the room? Why do you write like you're running out of fight? And so wow. Hamilton becomes a crazy person at this point. He is just writing and writing and writing nonstop. He's ignoring his family. He's ignoring responsibilities. He is just writing and researching and trying to figure it out. He is in a manic episode. Low key, that sounds super familiar. We've both been there. <laughs> okay, listen, I used to listen to this song when I was in my manic episodes like this with writing. Yeah, I mean, any writer knows that you just enter this flow where nothing else matters and you just escape to this other world. And I mean, your kids will figure out how to feed themselves. They have another parent. Yeah. Well, Hamilton the whole time is just working, working, working. And his wife's like, please acknowledge our existence. Aww. And he's like, shut the door. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. And so he he ends up getting the Constitution, you know, passed. Wow. He ends up working so hard on it and helping to get it passed. Uh -huh. But it's really taking a toll on his family life. Right. And his mental state in general. Naturally. Yes. Deadlines do that to you, though. Right? Well, this is where our first act leaves us. Right. And so we're doing a second part, but you don't have to wait a whole week. We're going to release Absolutely it not. this week. The teapot is not empty for today, is it, Courtney? It is not. The teapot is never empty with Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> we'll be back this week with the second part of this episode. We'll be back soon. You'll see. <laughs> yes and you'll remember you belong to me <laughs> we'll see you next time bye